Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast that goes all in at the blackjack table of cinema. Will we pull a stunning 21 out of the filmic deck? Or just bet the farm on a proper Razzie of a bad hand? Go bust and lose everything? Let's deal. I'm Rob and here are Simon and James. How are you, boys? I'm quite under pressure now, to be honest. <laughs> I, I'm a little on the fence whether that worked. Yeah, I think so. It yeah. sounded great yeah. to me. I, I'm, 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 imp- I'm impressed how you keep managing to pull them out of the hat, these intros. Well, I'm going to be honest, this was a struggle. We're <laughs> <laughs> we getting to that point now. I'm, you know, I was really fumbling around at metaphors. You can have a scripted intro if you want, Rob, that we do every week. You don't have to have a No, no, I think... Let's just see how far we can take this now. Because it's like, a bit like a writing exercise every week, yeah, isn't it? Like, good. can you intro the podcast? And, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, how are you both? Are you okay? Yeah, all right. Mate. Yeah, good, man. Good. You? Gav, splendid. Thank you very much. Um, just before we crack on to all the, uh, the good stuff we've been watching, can I ask what you thought about the Oscars? Uh, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of boring when one film sweeps it, to be honest. Yes. I agree. Because I think that sets that film up as well in future where everyone went, that one, that one won all those Oscars. Because then people who haven't seen it come to it and they're like, that weren't very good, was it? And I just think it's more interesting when when the awards get shared out a bit more, I think. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And I certainly think that should have been the case this year as well because it was such a lovely mix of films involved in all the categories where... There were things in other categories that probably deserved the gong over what did win it. But I'm glad it's been appreciated, that film, because it's very good. It's very original. Yes. But uh, I'd be interested to see what happens in a few years if, if as you say, Joe's people will go, <laughs> did that deserve to win? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the story of the Oscars, isn't it? It always is. Which films from this particular crop are going to stand the test of time? And rarely is the one that's awarded best picture the one that goes on and lives on for for decades afterwards Mm. so i mean i think something like tar is going to stand the test of time you know babylon's going to be reassessed i am certain of that and that wasn't even nominated banshees of inishira and i think that will and then you have things like top gun and avatar which obviously have absolute commercial juggernauts and films that people have seen and may have ongoing instalments uh, moving forward. So I think they're the ones that are going to really stand the test of time. The thing is with everything everywhere all at once, it's like, I like it as well, but the fact that it's had so much success has sort of diminished my enjoyment mm. of that of that film. It's like when a band you like suddenly crosses over <laughs> yeah. um, and you're like, oh, well, I was into this before everyone was giving it loads of <laughs> And yeah, I, I, I don't know if people are going to look back on that film and go, oh, that was the godfather of the 2020s, you know, in, yeah. in the way we look back on some of those legendary films. Well, only time will tell. Mm. I yeah, I think it's very, it's right to reward such originality. I yeah, think, of course, yeah. More than anything. I think that's the, for, for me, what's the most agreeable thing about it. I'm with you, though. I think Tar should have won something in terms of director or best film or screenplay or best actress or like. whatever. It had to, it needed to win something because for me, that's like by a good distance the best film of the year. Yeah. You're never going to really top any talking points from last year no. because that was the best moment of live televised <laughs> history. Honestly, I thought the ceremonies missed it. Ah, Richard! Ah, Richard! Ah, Richard! <laughs> Just. <laughs> 
I can't believe no that one mentions it. That is such an underrated that. element. No one mentions yeah. it. <laughs> He's so taken aback that he called him by his character name from the film that he was nominated for. <laughs> it's amazing how no one has like joked that on a bigger stage that he called him Rich. <laughs> No, it's just that's the funniest bit of it, I think. <laughs> How rich I think it is. <laughs> um, um, I just just very quickly, wasn't it lovely for um, Kay Kwan? Oh, um, what a yeah. lovely guy! Yeah. That was the award Absolutely I did not loving. have any qualms about, to be honest. I mean, yeah, Barry Cogan yeah. is obviously amazing in Banshees of Inisherin, and as is Brendan Gleeson. But yeah, he, just a great story, isn't it? Him coming back yeah. into acting and yeah yeah you know he, he played loads of characters and did kung fu as well so i mean yeah, what, what more do you want yeah, yeah what more do you want it was yeah. great it was a great performance yeah. <laughs> jamie lee curtis on the other hand what is going on with that that's ridiculous. forget it no i, I don't want to slag anyone <laughs> <laughs> Rubbish. Uh, um, so what have you been watching this week aside from oscar's fallout what have you been watching this week james well uh something that might not be troubling the awards circuit next year so I went to see 65, which I know was a film that you were very hyped for, Rob, when I shared the trailer with was, you a yeah. few months back. So uh, first things first, I enjoyed it way more than any of the Jurassic World movies. <laughs> right, I, I think I, we might have to. <laughs> Mainly because it's Adam Driver shooting dinosaurs in the face with a fancy space gun for about 90 minutes. So. <laughs> that does sound like the biggest ever jackpot. Doesn't it make such a satisfying sound as well? Oh, good, <laughs> lovely sound design. <laughs> so cool. I mean, so, so look, cool. objectively speaking, this is a fairly rubbish sci-fi mashup, but it's fun. And uh, thanks to a committed performance from Driver, that is way above the call of duty given the material. <laughs> it remains engaging for the entirety of its swift runtime. So for me, it sort of reminded me a lot of uh, Cowboys versus Aliens in terms of its uh, genre mashing. Unfortunately, it didn't have the greatest Bond of all time in the lead role. Right. <laughs> I'm so close to walking here. <laughs> I so badly had enough of it. Oh, Daniel. Is he joking? Oh, Daniel. We're not ready to move on yet, Daniel. Uh, just imagine, like, yeah, the, the like a trailer drops and it's like pieces of Daniel Craig being put back together. Oh, like the T-1000. Yeah, yeah, like, we managed to persuade dear Daniel to come back for one more movie. It only cost us $250 million. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, sorry, enough of that. Enough 65 of that. was ace, though. I, I, I was the same. I enjoyed it very yeah, much. Yeah, desperate to for see what it. it. For what it is, I, I don't know yeah. how else you could watch that film and, and not, like... It does what it says on the tin, definitely. I was astounded <laughs> by the fact that he didn't phone that performance in at all. Like, it's a properly committed performance. He's getting covered in all sorts and battered and bashed <laughs> around all over the place. There's absolutely no need for an actor of his calibre or in his position to be doing this at all. I was like, yes, I, I'm with you. I, I'm with this film because you're super into it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to appreciate that. And you know what I mean, though? You get so many of these A-list actors who think, oh, we're going to do some, you know, genre trash for a quick paycheck, but and then they don't really commit to it. But he was, he was clearly in. He was on board. Yeah, mm. that's that. These movies live and die on it. Exactly. I know we've said it before, but if the if the lead star comes with the absolute heat and investment, yeah. The film can fly. Absolutely. 
So yeah, it's it's a good little entertaining movie. It'll probably be on this podcast in twelve months time. To be honest, <laughs> definitely you know, qualified. Definitely qualified. Um, and then uh, another thing that we've been doing is obviously we're getting a new um, Mission Impossible film uh, later this year. Uh, so we've been sort of working our way through the series. So we've done one. Uh, I watched the last forty minutes of two because the life's too short to watch the whole film. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not a great entry that one as much as i love both john woo and uh tom cruise so we what we fired three up over the weekend and i think that one's really underrated in the it canon of really uh, mission impossible movies because it sort of set the template for all of the movies that would follow it the stunts aren't as deftifying as they would later become mm. But it's really, really good. The stakes are incredibly high. Great performances. Great villain as well. Again, just an actor who is well overqualified for that <laughs> for that material. Just absolutely smashing it out of the park. And then that raises everybody else around him. Like Tom Cruise is like giving a really intense performance as well and like crying on screen. I can't remember the last time I'd seen him, yeah. him do that. And uh Michelle Monaghan, who's really underrated, I think, because his new wife, it's just really good. And it's got some great set pieces. The stuff in the Vatican's amazing. Mm. Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. It's probably my third favourite, ironically, out of the out of the whole series after the two Macquarie ones. Yeah, it's a really good one, that. I remember doing a rewatch of them all before uh, Fallout came out and was just like, why do people not like this one? It's really good. <laughs> I think it came out around that time when everyone was out on Tom Cruise. Yeah. You know, we'd had the uh, couch jumping yeah. incident and everyone was War like, of the World's Time. Yeah, and uh, this one, it did well, but even on Rotten Tomatoes, it doesn't have a very high score, which suggests that maybe critics sort of had it in for him because it's a really mm. good popcorn movie. Mm. I mean, I bet Cruise watches it back now and he's like, oh, there's so much green screen in this movie and it probably tears him up inside that he wasn't allowed to jump off those buildings. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it and it really rocks. It's got a great opening. Brilliant yeah, stuff. Yeah, the opening's amazing, isn't it? Cool. Really good. Very, very cool. Yeah, I, I love that one. That that stuff on the... You know when the jet go, There's a jet bit on a bridge. Oh, well, not bridge, yeah. It's yeah. so ace. And he gets catapulted into the side of a car. And I remember thinking at, at the time, like, I've never seen a lead actor doing that kind of stuff. That's just bananas. <laughs> That. And then who knew that it would only be the tip of the Tom Cruise iceberg? Yeah. Same compared to what he's doing in the next one. Yeah. What about you, Sai? What have you been watching? Uh, yeah, so so I succumbed to the pressures of the Netflix algorithm, um, which I hate hate doing. Um, <laughs> and uh, I almost had a heart attack in the process by watching Fall, oh. um, which is a, it's a survival thriller, I guess. Yeah. Um, about two thrill-seeking women who, um, in the throes of mourning the death of a friend decide to climb a 2,000 foot high rickety TV tower. Idiots. <laughs> Honestly, I genuinely thought this was going to be my end. <laughs> <laughs> my, my anxiety levels and heart rate were like through the roof watching these two absolute idiots get stuck up this stupid, <laughs> stupid, really big rusty ladder. It's like, you absolute idiots. And uh, yeah, honestly, I just couldn't. I couldn't handle it. The whole time I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And I... Uh, it's it's like you know it's been in the top ten for a bit, and this is why I watched it because it was like number one or two, and the poster's really good on Netflix. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome like poster, isn't it? High angle looking down this tower, 
it's a bit crap, like it's a bit crappily made, but <laughs> it's just, yeah, really scary. <laughs> really, really, t- I hate heights, like really hate heights. <laughs> so I was, just, honestly, it was, it was awful. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good, fun, fun little stupid movie to watch. Um, yeah. My wife loved it. She loves like shark movies and things like that. So this is like right up yeah. the street, just, you know, quite crappily made, but very effective. So yeah, if you want a if you want a heart attack, watch uh, Fall. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, speaking of uh, of uh, your significant other site, uh, has she heard the news that there's a Twister sequel coming? What? She hasn't. I'm waiting for the right moment to break that news to her. Um, <laughs> Daisy Edgar Jones, outstanding. She she won't be able to handle because obviously Paxton's not around to oh, to, no, to go in it. But yeah. Um, what is she going to be his daughter or something? Oh God, can't wait! It's going to. Be... Oh yeah, is it going to be called Twisters? Yeah, like it is, yeah. is it? Maybe <laughs> we're maybe. You know that was the pitch. He just drew, <laughs> drew wrote an S and put up two dollar signs. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as it wasn't Twister versus oh. Lake Placid, then I think we're, yeah. we're okay. Oh. Although I would like to see that Twister versus Sharknado. <laughs> Yeah, I need to. Uh, yeah, I will. Um, I wonder if she does know about that. She must. She'll be very excited whether she does know. When she does find out, she'll be very excited. Um, I also watched uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I don't know if anyone's mentioned this before. Yeah, um, I like that film. Yeah, it's good. Just on the surface, just looks like a neon bathed Gen Z slasher movie. But then in the end, I found it to be like a really smart sort of send up to this current generation of young adults whilst also simultaneously being like an empathetic ear uh, to the pressures heaped upon them through social media and, and you know, like the crippling anxiety that brings to their lives. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was really good. It's not scary or anything like that. I think it's sort of, you would sort of go into it thinking it's going to be a, a, that sort of film, but it really isn't. It's a lot deeper than that, I think. And yeah, really enjoyed it. Great cast, really funny. And a really good ending, like the the way it all sort of the mystery sort of unravels is really satisfying. And they're all horrible people, but you do kind of feel sorry for them. Um, and it's it's good. It's really good. Cool. Very very cool. Enjoyed it. Anything else before I take us to stupid town? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. The, the 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 last one I'll say quickly. I watched Red Rocket, um, oh, which yeah. I just thought was outstanding. It's supposed to be really good. One of the best films I've seen for ages. Yeah. Sean Baker is just really really good at making movies. One of the great cinematic scumbags is the le- the lead character of that movie. Like the people who got really upset about Licorice Pizza better not see that movie because that, <laughs> dear me. <laughs> Just it's so rare you get those sort of protagonists now who are just like totally compelling dirtbags. Yeah. Like you just have to follow around to see what they're going to do next. They're just horrendous, infinitely watchable, but an absolute scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> but no, very good. Uh, I would highly recommend Red Rocket. I think it's on Now TV in a minute. So if you want to have a good old laugh and see some flopping schlong. Uh, <laughs> <Red Rocket. laughs> 
gracious me. It's only a small bit of the film, that, but um, it was a very funny bit, regardless. <laughs> Sorry, Rob, what, what have you been watching? <laughs> you know, segueing over to me at that point to try and keep the train on the tracks is not the right move. Oh, dear. So I... Um, me and the lad, uh, we after trying to watch Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, we picked um, a boys' time moment and we sat and watched it. And he absolutely loved it. Having not seen it for 20-odd years myself, I had so much fun with it. It is completely absurd, isn't it? But I think it gets the joke. It knows the joke. It knows it's not you know super serious. Some of the action in it is loads and loads of fun. But the highlight for me was when... Um, you know when little John is, uh, you know, stopping him from getting across like that watery bit, and um, he takes a shot in the stones from a like big staff or whatever, and my son shouted, "Oh, right in the nut!" Singular. <laughs> 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 so I didn't know whether to sort of like mildly chastise or ask more questions. <laughs> Um, but no, I, loads of fun. That has to come to this podcast at some point. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Other thing I watched is um, Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, what did you think? Absolutely flaming loved it. <laughs> so up my street. I Truthfully, I adore Kong. Um, I adore Kong more than I adore Godzilla. But I just think they get those two characters. I know that they're big, made-up, fluffy things, <laughs> or scaly things, but they're... They're characters in their own right in these new movies that they've made of them. And it's so great. And I love the fact that we're seeing these, like, the fantasy sequences. That stuff on the aircraft carriers is just outrageous. You, you couldn't even, like, how do you even begin storyboarding that hot mess? I just don't know what. To, it's so good. I love it. And I love the fact these movies are made. Have you guys seen that one? Mm. Yes, um, you know when we started coming out of lockdown oh, yeah. initially, when the vaccine rollout happened. Yeah, me and the wife went to see that. We went to we treated ourselves to a pizza express beforehand. Oh. And went to see Kong versus Godzilla. Nice. You know, cinema is back, baby. <laughs> I bet it jolly is. Goodness me. Uh, yeah, I was slightly disappointed. I must be honest. I didn't like. I, I didn't like it as much as the other Godzilla. Yeah. films or the. Um, I still enjoyed it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. That Smackdown yeah. on that aircraft carrier is incredible. And uh, Rebecca Hall as well, just knocking it out of the park exactly. with some of the worst dialogue ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, A, like A-list level actors giving it the full wattage in material yeah. that, as you say, is like way, way below them. Um, but yeah, absolutely ace. Um, and... Um, slightly like not what we would usually talk about but um i've been enjoying the sort of like the snazzy docu series full swing on netflix that goes behind the ropes so to speak on the pga tour oh and it features you know like golfers saying f words and like oh you know it's really sheesh naughty stuff um but it's each each episode is actually a really fascinating character study to be honest you know they pick someone on the tour to follow and certain heroes are emerging as well. You know, like, um, you know, there's villains as well. But occasionally there's the odd hero. I haven't finished it all yet. I'm sort of like three in. But I'm really, really enjoying it. And it is so slickly made. Yeah. I mean, one would dare say that Netflix kind of know what they're doing in this regard. <laughs> well, they have a lot. I haven't watched any of these because they're not necessarily about sports that I'm 
especially an, an Ahmed whip. Mm. But like, apparently, everyone says the F1 series on Netflix is incredible. Yeah. Um, there's also a, a very, what sounds like a very similar series uh, around the tennis tour. Yeah. As well. Uh, I forget the name of that off the top of my head. So, so I might start digging into a few of these. Yeah, they are, they are really interesting. Yeah, I've never seen because there's a, there's other ones on Amazon as well, isn't there? Like yeah. all or nothing ones. I've never really got into them, but I've heard they're all great. Yeah, I think it's the level of access that they've been granted is is really quite unique. Yeah. You know, like you really are you're in their homes when you know seismic events are happening. You know, in their careers, and just I, I was amazed at just how competitive these guys are. You know, like best friends, but they want to you know beat each other at every available opportunity. It's really interesting. Mm. But there'll be some some villains on the tour, and it's very interesting. Shoot him a Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> Pop it up, run it up. Yes. Um, I would like, if it's all right, for you guys to pack your bags. Um, get a sleeping bag. Oh, no. Is it time? Yeah. We've, don't worry. I've got the coordinates for a sat-nav, because where we're going, postcodes won't matter. Um, we need full GPS uh, interactivity here to head to Bigfoot Corner. Bigfoot Corner. <laughs> 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 Back you, in the woods. Back finally. in the woods. You guys thought we'd forgotten. Hell no. Is there some big news, Rob? There is some monstrous news. Yes. Uh, huge news. Firstly, I would like to... There's just a double header from the Bigfoot world this week. Um, firstly, I have some footage which I'd really like uh, your views on. So, uh, yeah, I wonder whether we could watch this uh, together for the first time. Um, so, uh, I've sent you, it's only 31 seconds, um, and it's called Bigfoot Chases Car in Colorado. Oh, this sounds exciting, Simon. I think this is going to be, a, uh, an absolutely short, oh, from seven years ago. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> prescient. Um, oh, mainstream media not picking up on the Bigfoot phenomena once no again. no absolutely not i i think this is one of my favorite ones this one well i mean we haven't been to the corner for a while so it yeah. has to be, it's got to be good for us to to justify a visit so yeah, it, it is yes um so you know get your if you guys are ready to press play um should we do a three two one yeah three two one play oh it didn't hurt the car so yeah they've hit something in the woods these people it's like jurassic Ooh. park yeah the immense, grainy, rear-view camera footage happening here. Is that right there? Oh! Yeah. Is that... This is going to make me jump, isn't it? (laughs) 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 So... I've got some notes. You've got some notes. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So, did you see it? Um, listeners... Uh, I saw something running toward the rear camera yes. of the car. Yes. I wouldn't use the word big to describe what... <laughs> <laughs> can I tell you what I saw, Rob? You can do. You can do. A bald man in a fleece. <laughs> right, I think... Let me just... I'm just going to just f- freeze a few... Fr- right, hang on. Sadly, it does look a bit like that. <laughs> Yeah, it does look a bit like that. Um, <laughs> was, was she all right, though? Because, I mean, that's quite scary. Yeah. If, well, if, yes. If she doesn't um, know the man who run. run yeah, I'm more car. worried about the maniac out in the woods. 
<laughs> chasing cars. Uh, yeah, this is it. I mean, the setting is great. I actually, in this one, you know, if we're talking about it from a filmmaking perspective, which doesn't often happen when we go to Bigfoot Corner, I like the delivery here. Found footagey. You know, it's like found footage yeah. within found footage, uh, which is quite exciting. Um, I also don't want to cast aspersions on the <laughs> brave soul who captured this footage, but does anyone else find it? Just a tad convenient that suddenly, as the <laughs> as the figure is approaching and getting closer to the rear camera on the car, that the uh, that the phone suddenly can't keep its it's been fixed on this screen while while they were backing up. I mean, in panic, who knows how we will react? Well, when I, I, I went <laughs> confronted with a mythical creature in the woods. <laughs> I I. Honestly, I mean, why would you film that camera anyway when you were just reversing out of a type spot? I don't. Who knows? I, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of helpful uh, and unhelpful conjecture on the YouTube comments. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Johnny Cupcake says it looks very real. Um, but this, Derek Bates also says that um, it's got a similar question. Why was her camera out recording? That's a very fair point. Uh, <laughs> Clyde Happy says um, you should send her an email. Who? YouTube? <laughs> you should send her an email requesting that they go back and measure that road for us. It would help us in establishing the size of the running beast. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and then... <laughs> um, if this was not a hoax, then the driver should have floored it in reverse and hit that thing head-on <laughs> full speed. That would have been an awesome video. <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Capture the Sasquatch. My favourite comment is from Well 94 who says, Since when does Bigfoot wear pants and a hoodie? <laughs> <laughs> so, can I have you, you know, your verdict? What do you think? Have we found it? Debunked. Yeah, I think we've debunked it, yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is the smoking gun we've been searching for in the Bigfoot quest. Well, to be honest. I've got it's a good job I've got a backup. <laughs> in oh which God. case, <laughs> Ted's face. But we're going for a stroll in the woods, not a trek. <laughs> <laughs> so this is lovely Bigfoot news, right? Um, heartwarming ones. No one, you know, no one perishing um, or anything like that. Um, so the you know the the NBA team, the Portland Trailblazers has a long-running uh, mascot called Blaze the Trail Cat. But they've they've appointed a secondary mascot, uh, Douglas Fur the Sasquatch, Dougie, <laughs> who made his debut this past week. So they have a great big Sasquatch mascot now in Portland. Portland being in Oregon, Oregon being uh, very, very famous for uh, Bigfoot, Big Brown Machines sightings. Wow. Maybe this is like him crossing over to the mainstream once again. Maybe we're going to get a, uh, a Bigfoot-themed cultural revolution like we had back in the 80s with Harry and the Hendersons. Maybe and- you're right. I, we need, you know, like, who is Bigfoot's agent? You know, stuck with him all this time. Like, to get him, get It'd him have to be kid. another Bigfoot, wouldn't it? Because nobody else- <laughs> Some gorgeous ever with a it. cell phone, like, representing famous Bigfeet. I don't know, in the community. Can you imagine if it wasn't a mascot and they just like got a Bigfoot? <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> let him running around, on, oh, no. <laughs> running around on the court. That was when the world finally saw that he was real. He was just <laughs> casually leading the team out for a Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> this is a Disney Plus family movie that we're scripting here. <laughs> mm. 
some heartwarming kid, you know, who's lost one or both parents at the side, who brought Bigfoot to, you know, the big reveal at the Trailblazers Lakers game in the playoffs. <laughs> anyway, and that, ladies and gents, was Bigfoot Corner. Bigfoot Corner. So, whose pick was it this week? <laughs> James, was it you? Was it you, Sai? No, it was me. Sai, I'm so sorry. I was so enamoured by the Big Brown Machine. I just got my... Uh, wow. Who wouldn't oh, be? Sheesh. So, Sai, your pick, what have you got for us? It is. You might have noticed I was furiously typing over the last 10 minutes because I forgot to do an intro. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're staying in Oregon, actually. Ooh, Bigfoot oh, country. Bigfoot country. Staying in Bigfoot country. Uh, not a Bigfoot film, sadly. Um, after seeing something they shouldn't have, a struggling punk rock band becomes trapped in a secluded music venue filled with Nazis, dangerous dogs, and for some unknown reason, a Shakespearean thesp. <laughs> this is... Jeremy Saulnier's Green Room. Okay, I'm with the Eight Rights from Washington, D.C. You guys are hard to find. Why no social media presence? Music is shared live. It's time and aggression. You gotta be there. Sorry, guys. Gotta clear out. Follow me. And then it's over. Holy shit. I told you to follow Stop! You can't keep us here and you gotta let us go. We're not keeping you, you're just staying. We're so fucking dead, guys. What do we do? Oh shit. This will be over soon, gentlemen. What are they doing? They're coming. We gotta go. And we die. The longer we wait, the sure that is. Is that a pep talk? Just grab some shit, get ready to run. Here we go. I see the bad moon rising. Careful now. I can't die here. So don't. It's fucking hard, man. Blinking heck, Sai. Um, please, could you tell me why you bought Green Room to our pod booth this evening and where do I send the invoices for new underpants? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot uh, the, the sort of depths this film goes. Um, well, so, so this film, um, I used to I used to live in Brixton and there's an amazing cinema there called The Ritzy, which is a picture house cinema. And I'm not sure whether it was like the premiere or just some event or something like that. But they had uh, Blue Ruin on, which was Jeremy Saulnier's second feature film and the film before tonight's movie, Green Room. 
And I'd walk past the cinema every day and I'd see it, see Blue Ruin on this, the big overhead mast. You know, the old school cinema things where they, you mm. know, they, they stick the letters up mm. and puts the film. And that was like just a complete takeover of this Blue Ruin. Making such a big deal out of it. And I, I was just really intrigued. So I just went in to see it, having absolutely zero idea what it was. And honestly, just it totally floored me. And I think it was possibly my film of the year that I think it was like 2013, I think that came out. Mm. So seeing that was just like a real eye opener for its director. And I was just convinced he was going on to be this huge, huge name in, in cinema over the next few years and do amazing films and get offered amazing stuff because this film is just brilliant. So yeah, when Green Room came out, shortly followed this one a couple of years later, um, I went to see it on the weekend of release, dead excited for Jeremy Saulnier's new film. Largely empty screen, I believe. <laughs> there was about three people in there. <laughs> and I think because of that and the fact that I haven't, I might be wrong in this, but I wouldn't say there's been much sort of hoo-ha or reverence for it over the years since it came out. It kind of came and went, I think. So I figured slash hope slash pray that it qualifies. <laughs> um, but yeah, just it's one of those films that was on my list where I was just like, this is a great film, um, a great sort of indie film, low budget film, you know, possibly one that passed a lot of people by and, and maybe mm. it was a chance to talk about what I think is a, a great movie from a great filmmaker. Nice. I think I love the motivations there. Rather than like usually when I pick one, I'm like, hmm, I want to make these guys laugh. <laughs> that's pretty much the main the main caveat. Uh, no, that's 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 brilliant. Um, what, what's your relationship with Green Room then, James? So uh, similar to Sai, I'd seen uh, Blue Ruin, uh, not a, a cool Brixton cinema, but on <laughs> on DVD, um, and was similarly knocked out by it just thought it was a phenomenal like revenge drama and what he did, what the uh, director and the crew had achieved on such a small budget was was really really impressive so when green room came out and it, um i believe it got a lot of good reviews in sort of the places that i look so i was eager to see that to see what he did with more of a budget and more recognizable actors in the roles and i watched green room again at home uh, I wasn't brave enough to go and watch it in the cinema because it looked <laughs> super scary. And I was bloody right because it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and despite being excellent, I swore I would never watch it again. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> As it contains the uh, the five things that scare me most in this world. And I feel like this is a safe place. You know, we're up to 98 episodes now. I feel like I can share what scares me most in movies. Do you, do you guys want the list? Of, as long as you promise not to hold it against me, obviously. I was struggling oh, yeah. to think of five, but, but go on, so please go So are these five on. movies or five things just generally? Five, five things, things that are in this movie. Oh, that, that are in this movie. Today. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Witnessing a crime in a confined slash inescapable location. That's yeah. Check. Yeah, that's yeah. bad. And you know, <laughs> unlike you two, not really into Nazis. Don't think they're very nice people. <laughs> And don't even get me started on their vicious Nazi dogs trip that are oh, trying dogs. to go for the oh, jugular. Um, oh. So that's three, you know, absolutely shitting it at this point. Prolonged shots of injury detail. Barf. Oh, God. <laughs> and then possibly the most terrifying of all, overrated British thespians in a villainous role. <laughs> 
I love how I've set you up for the hat trick to just dig into another. <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh my word! Right, that's that... more of a new development. That you know, if I see your oh, <laughs> Shakespearean British actor in this, oh great! Here we go. New, new phobias being unearthed in real time. <laughs> oh my! What? So you? I love it, Charles Dams, Peter O'Toole, and Patrick Stewart. It all in your sniper scope sight. Slammed. <laughs> <laughs> They've had too many plaudits. Oh my word! Well, so for for myself, green room. I saw. I I always really liked um, Anton Yelchin. Um, So I I loved everything I've seen him in because I think he's a really well. It's so sad what happened to him. Um, So yeah, um, big respect and love um, posthumously because I think we lost a great actor. And someone who would yeah, go on to do really great, great things because I think he's a fascinating presence. Um, obviously, he was um, in Alpha Dog, wasn't he? As the sort of like, yeah. oh, it's just so painful watching that because he was supremely likable and buoyant and all that kind of stuff and gets slowly ground down before that dreadful ending and stuff. And spoiler alert, sorry. <laughs> um, but then. Um, he was in all sorts of stuff, but he was in this movie called Odd Thomas, which is the um, was an adaptation of a Dean R. Koontz book. Uh, I was always a big fan of the the horror writer Dean Koontz, and um, he was like brilliant in it. You know, like we were talking about bringing a game to material that had no business having this level of a game brought to it. Um, that's just because the film adaptation was not great. The book's great. Film adaptation, not so much. Um, and he was brilliant. Um, so I always had an eye on what he was doing. And yeah, this is just so sad uh, to learn of his passing. Because um, I'd love to see what he's doing now, you know, because 2016 he passed away. And who knows? This you know, was his, was this his last last theatrical Last film, theatrical release, yeah. yeah, I believe, yeah. It's um, the last one released while he was uh, still alive. While, oh, right, right. Yeah, right. Was still a alive, couple yeah. more came out afterwards, because I think Star Trek Beyond came out after this. And then right, he was in a really right. good movie with um, called Thoroughbreds with Anya Taylor-Joy. And, yes. Oh, what's, the, what's the girl in House of the Dragon called? Olivia Cook. Um yeah, and that's a real, real jet black dark mm, comedy. Great, cool. And he's like sort of a supporting character in it. And that might be the last one that he was in, I think. Um, you know, uh unfortunately after after he had died. Uh but yeah, he, he and obviously, yeah, he's uh, he's in the Star Trek movies as well. Yeah. He he sort of he he was shaping up to have a really good career, not necessarily as a leading man, but more as a Interesting character actor, I think. I think you're right, yeah. And he was also a, a, uh, also um, Kyle Reese in Terminator Salvation. I forgot about oh, that. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Underrated film, that is, as well. I think it's an underrated film. I, I think it's a you. really underrated film. But he had, he had a really good run of like genre movies like this and, and that odd Thomas and Fright Night, the Fright Night remake, which, again, I think is really, a really solid, maybe underrated movie. Mm. So, yeah, it was a real... Real shame because he was starting to carve out a, a really interesting yeah. career, and and he is very good and he's super watchable and super likable, isn't he? And, he is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, just like a, a very interesting, like you say, watchable in that magnetic sort of sense. Like you find him good to watch, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, doesn't um, have to do much for you to be on his side. That's you? you're very right. Yeah, very right. Yeah. 
Um, and I like the, the choices. I just looked through his filmography there, like eclectic and brave choices and different choices. And yeah, would have shaped up to, well, was shaping up to be a heck of a career. Um, at that, obviously, I was interested. Um, I'm desperate to watch Blue Ruin now. I remember seeing a trailer for it ages ago so and thinking good. like, oh my word, this I'd love to see this. But then it being another one that passed me by into the ether. But um, I was fascinated with, I saw the trailer for this one. I've always wanted to watch it. I'm always very interested when a sort of a lower budget or a perceived lower budget film manages to bag some serious big A-list name. Uh, you know, and especially when I knew that he was going to be playing, you know, spoiler alert, um, a neo-Nazi. You know, like, that was like, that will only ever be interesting, that. I would like to see that. So I was thrilled when you said we were going to watch this one, Si. Mm. Um, but but I know you had some concerns about whether it qualifies. James, does it qualify th- through uh, budget and box office? Yeah, so... The film had its world premiere at the Cannes Film Festival on May 17th, 2015. Uh, Shortly after it was announced, A24, what the most successful independent distributor of the last 10 years, had acquired uh, distribution rights to the film. It was then released uh, on a limited run in the USA on April 15th, 2016. It grossed a total of 3200000 during its stateside theatrical run and just over 500 k in the rest of the world for a worldwide gross of $3.7 million against a roughly $5 million budget. So this is an independent film, quite a small budget, obviously not done gangbusters at the box office, but was probably never expected to, you know, even though it's got a lot of recognizable actors in it, Mm. you know, it's not good. It's not, we're not talking blockbuster territory here. So it's probably been pre-sold around the world. And, Mm. you know, once it came out on DVD and got sold off to channels and whatnot, it's probably nicely profitable, but yeah, on its initial theatrical run, it didn't bring back in its production budget. Mm. And I think we can make that sort of a rule. If it grosses less than, 10 to 20 million worldwide then i think it's worth us always bringing a film of of that scale to, to yes the pod. that's what i was going for <laughs> <laughs> yeah it will carry uh, will it with it and uh, an element of the unseen you know it, it needs, yeah absolutely because yeah. we do that's another remit of ours isn't it to champion audiences uh, sorry champion movies that haven't haven't had bigger audiences um so in which case we could look i'm very interested to know what the critics think here because i absolutely have no clue so i went into it super blind how was it received Sai? Uh, Green Room actually did really well with the critics. Um, it's certified Ooh. fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Unlike my underpants. Our... Well, yes. Uh... <laughs> fresh with shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's probably one of the biggest ones in terms of the critical aggregate on Rotten Tomatoes. It's at ninety percent at the moment on there. So pretty, pretty big one. Um, slightly lower seventy nine on Metacritic with thirty six out of forty two critical reviews being deemed positive. Uh, Patrick Smith of The Telegraph called it a pulverizing piece of 70s style grindhouse exploitation stitched together from the body parts of John Borman's classic Deliverance and John Carpenter's siege thriller Assault on Precinct 13. Um, with Lanika Cruz of The Atlantic saying, scrape off the scum and you'll find green room full of visual artistry, dark humour, smart writing and glints of humanity. It also did quite well over here. Uh, Kim Newman of Empire gave it four stars, saying it was a riotous, rough-hewn and rousing punk reinvention of 70s-style grindhouse exploitation with a brain. 
cinema. There were some grumbles with the like explicitness of the gore and apparent narrative simplicity, but I think they maybe didn't watch it or pay attention. Um, or a nitpick. Owen Gleaverman of the BBC and Rex Reed of the Observer were particularly down on the movie, both giving it one star. Their view was sort of countered by Pete Travers of Rolling Stone, who said uh, Green Room is way more than crass exploitation. It's a B-movie with an art house core. So it kind of split critics, but there were more, certainly more on the positive side than there were on the negative side. Audience-wise, it's a similar story, actually, to Metacritic. Um, aggregate with a 7.2 on there and 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. Letterboxd has it at 3.7. Is that is that high? I can never That's really good. tell. That's that a good one, isn't it? We're yeah. usually 2.9, aren't we? Is the, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Sort of like the jackpot zone. Yeah, I think the top end of the threes is pretty good, isn't it? Um, with an yeah. interesting take from Evan, uh, who said, this is the film Eli Roth wishes he could make. Buzzing! <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Bethany observing, if I had a dollar for every time I screamed, oh, fuck, during this film... <laughs> I could afford to produce the one that Green Room has now fully inspired me to make. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, went down pretty well. Uh, so probably doesn't should really be bringing it to this book. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely should, because it is underseen. Yeah, it's not it a is, mainstream it is. crossover hit, is it, by any stretch yeah, of the yeah. imagination? Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it was it did quite, quite well critically. There were, a few, there were also a few comments that people were... A, a bit disappointed um, because it didn't reach the high standard he set in Blue Ruin. But um, I think, again, more the reason to revisit this years after when that's kind of sort of gone away a little bit and you're sort of watching it on its own terms. Mm. As, as someone who's seen both sides, what, what do you think? Do you think this is as good a film as, as Blue Ruin? I, I think they're so... So different. They are different, obviously. Yeah. yeah, but they've got that same nasty edge to them. Yeah, yeah. I think you know that the, the part of America like they don't want you to see, isn't it? Um, mm. in, yeah. in both cases of Blue Ruin, Blue Ruin and Green Room. I I do think Blue Ruin is a better film. Yeah, I think I'd go along with that as well. Yeah, just because it's more it's more stripped down. It's an even. It's a much more simplistic. It's a well, it's a revenge drama, isn't it? So yeah, it's a much yeah. more simplistic. Nuts and bolts um, tale mm. in that sense. Has anyone seen his um, his Netflix movie? That he yes, H- um, Hold the Dark. Um, so yes. yeah, um, I was a big fan of the book by William Heraldi before. Ah right. Um, okay. So it's a really, really, it's a great, gr- brilliantly photographed. The guy Sonnier is a wonderful director. You know, like he yeah. knows just he what is, he is yeah. doing, and his movies look proper beautiful. And no, it's great. It's re- it's a really it's a good adaptation, yeah. and it's a great. Um, you know, I do like. You know, like what's the word I'm looking for? Like lush landscapes, because the landscape yeah. in this is lush as well, isn't it? You know, it looks Absolutely, a lush movie, yeah. but like lush landscapes, fascinating characters, little communities. And sick goings on. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. really yeah. awful, awful stuff. Yeah, yeah. If you like Hold the Dark, there is awful stuff. Sorry, if you like Green Room, there is awful, awful stuff going on in Hold yeah. the Dark as well. So I recommend, you know, like as a companion piece almost, you know. Although having not seen um, Blue Ruin, um, Blue Ruin, yeah. yeah. Um, I you know maybe who knows maybe it's a a, a trilogy a sort of like a no no because I I've seen Hold the Dark as well I haven't oh, right, read cool. the book um so 
it took it. It takes a turn that I, it didn't quite work for me. Mm. That one, but it is very much of a piece with his other work, just on a much bigger scale with a much bigger budget. There's yeah. a shootout mm. in the middle of that movie, which is just yeah. unbelievably well executed. Yeah, uh, and whilst it, the the movie itself didn't really work for me um, as a whole, it is very much in keeping with the with the tone and the style. Of the rest of his work, and it's yeah, it's completely fucked up as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. You sort of know what you're getting, don't you? In a way, you know, or don't know what you're getting in a good yes. way. Yeah. I remember when that came out, and it just kind of fizzled away quite quickly, and it didn't really set the world alight, which I thought was a real shame because, as I say, I think he's a, I think he's a great filmmaker. You know, the the stuff he's yeah. done, he's, he's he's clearly proven that he's a very good filmmaker and a good writer oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, and yeah. for me, he's really in that. I just love this like mid twenty tens where you've got films like this, you've got the Taylor Sheridan stuff like Hell or High Water yeah. and things like that, and then you've got the um, S. Craig Zala stuff. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, uh, you know, like Dragged Across Concrete and that the you know the brawl on cell block. 99 another one called. i'm too scared to watch because yeah, i heard it's so horrendously yeah. violent i can't bring and, and to bone watch. tomahawk you know that that sort of era of these films where it's like grotty america um really really gross practical effects but it's like an evolution of the gorno stuff from the noughties mm. yeah where there's a bit of reason to it and there was there's a place for it in these films because it it really sort of adds layers to the because it's like a real world, isn't it? Whereas those films like Eli Roth's stuff, just to pluck his name out because it was mentioned before, mm. it's just just stupid horror, isn't it? Like, really? Like, unrealistic, proper, full-on, let's be as gross as we can be. Mm. And yeah. then the evolution of that is films like this and, and what Solnier does and what S. Craig Zahler does and, and Taylor Sheridan, to a lesser degree, I think. I don't think he's as violent as these films. No, although I've been watching Yellowstone and that's pretty. Is it? Pretty oh, I, have, I yeah. haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm just obsessed with these types of films. I think that the, when you've got backdrops of, like, you know, the backdrop of beautiful American countryside mm. offset against this horrendous stuff, <laughs> uh, and these and these awful characters, and then also really great characters who are just stuck in this world and can't really get out of it. And I just think it's really interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know why I find it so interesting. I'm, I'm not American. I, you know, I really don't. I've not been to these places. I don't really know. But yeah, I just think they're great. And and that particular that pocket of cinema in that sort of mid 2010s mm. has just got so many great films like this in there i agree so i think to, nice to bring one of them absolutely yeah i think i think there's some there's um escapism as well you know with lo- locations you've never been to before um which i has always appealed to me and you know like for example like i don't know whether this film would have the same resonance for us if it was shot down the road like in manchester or whatever you know what i mean from where we're all <laughs> yeah. sort of yeah. based whether it would yeah. have that same resonance is is a big question but cuz setting i think is so important in it you know yeah. so um yeah i do know what you mean and there's always that that caveat as well with horror films that you're watching just the most awful stuff from a safe space as well isn't it you know Absolutely, so yeah. yeah safe space plus escapism 
Um, plus sick injury, graphic injury detail for James. <laughs> Sorry, James. <laughs> Nazi dogs. Nazi dogs. <laughs> and Nazi British dogs. thespes. <laughs> it's, it's quite it's quite a stacked British cast, isn't it? There's, it there's is, loads yeah, of Brits right, in yeah. this. Uh, I wonder why that... Because it was shot over in the States, wasn't it? So I wonder why yeah. it was so many... There were so many Brits involved, so... Cheaper. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Cole, Callum Turner. And all Brits who've who were well established or have gone on to, to have good careers mm. after this as well. Yeah, no you know, yeah, you're right, yeah. Imogen Poots is in it as well. Mm. Like who Imogen Poots I think is she should be way bigger than she is as well. I think mm. she's yeah. absolutely brilliant in everything she's in. Um ever since was it she was really young in uh, twenty eight weeks later, wasn't she? She was the Yes, yeah. of course, yeah. Robert Carlyle's daughter in that. It's... Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, he's a great but cast. Yeah, it's good, I think. It's it's good, really cast. good cast. Really, really good top to bottom, amazing cast, I think. Yeah, and great performances everywhere as well, I think. Um, mm. w- but we can discuss this as we go, can't we? Shall we get into the movie? Mm, um, absolutely. Let's, let's jolly do it. Um, I am musically almost illiterate. Okay, so they're a punk band, right? Yes, they are. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, they're called the Ain't Rights. Yes, and they're on a tour, um, having yeah. come from Washington, and uh, they're sort of living hand to mouth almost, aren't they? Yeah. In this van, all I could think about was just how awful they must all smell. Uh, <laughs> not like Hector last week, <laughs> smelling of fresh linen. Um, so yeah, and we're into this plight, aren't we? That they've run out of gas. They live this sort of very nomadic lifestyle while they're on tour, but they're committed to living the, you know, the punk ethos, I guess, or sticking yeah, it yeah. to the man or whatever. Yeah. I, you know, sticking yeah. it to the man, uh, anti-authority. Yeah, yeah. They they they're very old-fashioned, aren't they? They don't succumb to like the streaming sort of the world. They're they're very like analog they print records and play live gigs they don't stick everything on youtube or have a soundcloud or any band camp or anything like that they're all old school aren't they so organically grow as a band rather than do it via the new age online way mm. um and they end up um at a particular town uh, to meet some chap with a startling mohawk who says that unfortunately you are crashing here guys but unfortunately uh, there is no, uh, you know, the gig has been cancelled, but I've got you on at a diner. <laughs> and the diner, the diner is, oh, it's horrendous. And they're doing this, you know, very, very energetic, angry <laughs> number. Uh, to in about, the middle of the afternoon. Uh, yeah, Imagine if you just people. nipped in there on your lunch break, like to <laughs> yeah. get a quick burger and Coke. And this is this racket's going on down the other end of the diner. Just like thought I'd have a, a business meeting out of the office and just, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> well, just, uh, oh, let's get out of the office. Let's just, you know, let's go and have this meeting in a, in a, get a coffee and we'll have a nice little chat, you know, strategize. What is going on back there? I love how the music's mixed in because it's yes. so loud. It's really yeah. loud. Oh, as, yeah. Because they're all quite softly spoken, aren't they? But then when it cuts to the yeah. music bits, it proper like kicks you in the nuts. Um, and the nuts. The people in the, in the, in the nut. That <laughs> singular. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I love that. And I don't know if the music's all original music, but they they all play their instruments, don't they? So They, they do, they all, yeah. They all learn how to play. Well, I mean... 
Joe Cole learned how to play the drums and um, Thingy learned how to sing and it's just I just, I just love I like, I like that D I like actors who do that who will yeah yeah, yeah they're invested again that yeah. word investment again isn't it um, but there's all that you know everyone's given their own little character moments um, Joe Cole um, not the footballer reveals <laughs> that he's a bit of a hothead um, so he's you know he's a it's sort of like the muscle of the unit, isn't he, in a way? Well, he's the drummer, isn't he? So he's like the resident lunatic. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Isn't that like a stereotype about... It is, yeah. The drummer yeah, is the craziest yeah, member. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you've also got um, Alia Shawcat, who is um, Sam, who was maybe from um, Arrested Development. Mm. Um and I, I I haven't seen her in too much. That's my fault for not seeing, you know, watching yeah. too widely. But I love the fact that she was in this movie. It was great. Yeah, she's currently in uh, the Old Man with Jeff Bridges. Oh, you know, that right, new, yeah, uh, spy, um, espionage series. Yeah, cool. No, she's she's great. And obviously, Joe Cole is a um, is a Peaky Blinder, isn't he? So, of course, he is. Yeah. He's also a yeah. Gangs of London dude as well, isn't he? Yeah, I forgot. Yes. I forgot he was in this because I do like Joe Cole. I think he's a good. He's a, he's a good presence as well in that sort of lunatic way. Like he's yes, got, yeah. He's got yeah. really intense eyes, hasn't he? Like he's about to shiv you in yeah. the neck at all times. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of you get the feeling that if this had been sort of more of a breakout hit and crossed over a bit more, then he might have been able to go a bit more. Hollywood because he's mm. a total badass in this. In he this is, yeah. Film. He knows jujitsu. He's like explosive as well. He's like he's the one who manages to sort of keep it together when everything goes south. But we'll we'll get to that. Well, yes, we will. <laughs> I lo- I love this intro bit because it it's quite the film's not that long, is it? Like ninety seven minutes or something like that. Mm. Yeah, but this opening is quite long and it gives you a lot of time with these characters and mm. sort of plants all those little bits in it that will become real. They seem quite small and insignificant at the time, but they will obviously become quite important as the film goes on. Like they siphon petrol because they're running out of money. Yeah. And, and you know, little things like that. And like you said about Reese played by Joe Cole, his behavior and the way, even though he's not the lead singer, Pat is pretty much the leader of the band. Um, mm. I mean, he's the most famous actor, probably why. Um, but <laughs> you do, it's all sort of, it's its like nicely knitting together at this point, the mm. band and their relationship and, and that we're on their side as well, that we like them. That they're just a bunch of, you know, talented kids, honest kids, just trying to make a living doing what they love. And it's really, it's really sold in this in this opening, I think. It's really good. It is, yeah. You even get that moment where they they're being interviewed by the Mohawk dude for um, a college. Is it a college uh, radio station? And yeah, they fanzine get, or something. Yeah, like that, and yeah. they get to talk a bit more about their ethos and personal stuff. And one of the things that w- w- keeps getting brought up throughout the movie is a little. Um, a cute little narrative device is the uh, Desert Island Disc. Uh, well, yeah. Desert Island Band, really, isn't it? Who you taking? Um, you're allowed to take one on, you know, one. And they're all trying to be that cool, band. aren't they? Like, really, really yeah, cool yeah. <laughs> right. Can I ask you now? Can I ask what your band would be? I don't. What's I? I, I didn't quite understand the band. Am I? Is it the uh, one a personality of them, well, or that, is it yeah. the music? One the music, or is it both? One, one band or artist that you've got to take with you to a desert island, and I don't mean like being stuck on there with you know, with that. You know, with the members of that band. Yes, yeah. 
fighting Nick Carter for the shower or shower on an island. So what? <laughs> <laughs> Nick Carter, you taking Backstreet Boys then? <laughs> Uh, no, JC Chazay from uh, NSYNC, you know, having NSYNC. him, you know. So I don't get to bring the band with me, it's just their their back catalogue. That's not as Yeah, this is less good now, isn't it? Um, I don't think they'll be up for doing live gigs if they're shipwrecked on an island. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll have all the equipment because they were on the way to a gig, and that's yeah, why yeah. they... Um, yeah, but they haven't got the fancy equipment that Brian Adams has to plug in in <laughs> yeah. remote location. He can it, honestly uh, you give that man a palm tree, he can he can sell out Wembley Arena. Uh, <laughs> I honestly don't know. I really no, I, don't I don't know. know. No, it's, and it's a bit unfair, unfair to put you. Arctic monkeys, baby. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I really don't know. Yeah, the new stuff for more chilled out moments and despair, and then yeah. <laughs> throw on the naughty stuff for. Uh, yeah, I'd probably go with the monkeys as well. I That's absolutely can't answer well. this at all. Um, it wouldn't be a good answer either. Because there are, al- there are albums that I like, right, really love. Like I love Oasis' first two albums, but I wouldn't have the rest of them. So yeah. it would be a yeah. waste of a pick because I only get two albums out of it. That is true. Yeah. And then they, they might try and like squeeze the solo stuff in as well. It's like nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I crashed your plane so I could hear. Definitely, maybe. I don't, I don't want any of this. Shove your high flying birds. Picking, <laughs> picking a relatively new band. I should try and be cool and say something like Jimi Hendrix or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like they throughout the movie, their their picks become more honest, don't they? You know. Yeah. yeah and yeah. by the end, so they say something. You know, for the purpose of this interview, and then by the end, one. I think it's Reese says. Prince or something. <laughs> like, yeah. Good so choice. Good. This is a good yeah, one. Yeah, actually. Choice. Yeah, a really yeah. good choice. Yeah. It take you ages to get through that, so that'll pass the time. It's got yeah. about yeah. fifty hours. You get the unreleased vault as well. <laughs> oh, you'll get everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Prince is a good, actually a good one. Yeah. Um, I'd love it if someone, you know, like Sean Paul, uh, <laughs> Bay City Rollers, Chesney Hawks, yes, Chumba yes. Wumba. Oh, one hit wonder just have that one song on repeat <laughs> <laughs> thumping on repeat <laughs> oh dear um, oh. so the, you know the, the guy the the um the guy who sets them up with this gig and is interviewing them yes is he actually the biggest villain in this entire film <laughs> I was wondering this actually does he know what he's sending them into I don't know this is I, I don't know this I don't think he's setting them up. I think it is an innocent mistake because the person yeah. who is, who his link is, is the, he's hardly a good guy, mm. but out of that bunch of reprobates, he is the most good one. Yeah. yeah. The least bad. <laughs> the least bad, horrible Nazi. Yeah. I, I don't think it's an intentional setup, is no. it? I think it's. He sees no. that it's a successful venue. Because he sort of sells it as like, oh, yeah, there will be some neo-Nazis there. And they like, oh, yeah, well, fair enough. It's like we get them at every single gig mm. we go to because their type of music attracts, you know, mm. fringes of that movement. Mm. But then when they get there, they find that actually supporting like a neo-Nazi band, like a full-on yeah. Nazi death metal band. Yeah, <laughs> It's like, did he not look up who was on the bill as well? I, I don't know. And, and the fact that we have questions here is because there's other questions throughout as well. Yeah. It's sort of uh, Solnier's 
like plan. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I don't need everything yeah. explaining to me. I'll figure it out. Like, yeah. Because it's all very like traditional in the sense that this venue is very traditional of 70s punk in that it was very raucous and rowdy. And um, I recently read uh, Pete Hook's book about Joy Division saying how in Manchester at the time you go to gigs and they just get pints thrown at them and everyone would fight and, and stuff like that. And then also that it was a genre that got hijacked by white supremacists and Nazis. So, yeah, it makes sense that we're a punk band. And it's, it's. Mm. I mean, I'm sure that it, there are things like this nowadays, but it is very much going back to that era of punk music where it was very violent and very raucous and, mm. yeah, yeah was was a bit... Uh, fascist <laughs> <laughs> well they 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 do get they do do a gig there and they uh notice that the it's not really their scene so they're you know happy to get out of there and as they're going back to get their stuff sam forgets her charger uh anton yelchin pat offers to go get it and sees a girl on the floor with a knife in her head which i was not ready for <laughs> and that was the first underwear change <laughs> the, the two guys who were obviously the headline band and they've obviously murdered this poor girl who the band saw earlier on in the crowd didn't they Imogen yeah. Poots and, and her friend and it's her friend who's got the knife in her head they're, they're just off their head on meth or something aren't they mm. they're just completely fucked and that's why why they've done this and there's just that moment where he tries to drag her through like is she even dead and then he like drags her across the room by the knife, just still wedged yeah. in her head. It's like, horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, yeah, she, yeah she's dead, yeah. Oh. That's one of the tamer moments. It is as well, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? I mean, goodness gracious. Um, and obviously, like, things, you know, I, I, I do love it in a story or, you know, of any kind where something happens which sets everything into motion at such a fierce pace. Mm. And they all end up locked in this green room with the other members of this band with this dead body and it's the it's really we're talking about the fallout from this as the nefarious plans and underlying preoccupations of the people that that run that place are how they try to protect them um protect themselves from news coming out from uh via these people that have unwittingly seen it yeah. and it's people is that what you said it's people unwittingly seeing a crime yeah. isn't it it's just the worst thing it's the worst like, yeah you, uh, i always uh, think back a great example of um of this happening is in in fargo when there's the murder on the highway and then that car of just like innocent teenagers just goes past and they witness it right yeah. at the same time and it's just like, and then the guy chases them down and spoilers for Fargo and kills them all. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, oh my God, I really wish I hadn't seen that. And now my life is irrevocably changed mm. for the worse forever because I, through no fault of my own, walked into the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. And that is just a horrendous fear. <laughs> I know, it's, true. it's Picking up the tab for someone else's actions is awful. But if, yeah. if yeah. the actions are very severe... Uh, uh, and and illegal, as you say, that is just double awful. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, oh, dreadful. In the beginning, you you kind of just assume it's like, oh, it's because they've witnessed this murder. They're trying to cover that up, and that's why they're keeping them in this green room while they figure out mm. what to do with them. It's sort of all under control by Gabe, who's played by Macon Blair, who's um, Jeremy Saulnier's mate, who's in all his films. Mm. 
who's really good at it, like as he's well. Great. He, yeah. He's just like a businessman, isn't he? Just trying to make sure everything runs smoothly, and he's just, yeah. It's almost like he doesn't want to deal with this as much as you yeah. know. He's like, oh, for fuck's sake, what what's going? He's on? the sort of guy who should have been like, should be like managing a McDonald's or a Subway or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. But something <laughs> happened along the way, and he ended up falling in with a load of neo Nazis, and he can't get out of it now, and he's just trying to run it to the best of his ability and he's a bit of a he's a bit timid isn't he yeah. he's not quite <laughs> up to the task yeah he's like you almost get the faith he's like i could do without the racism to be perfectly honest. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. can we not just run a nice bar like what's he gonna do why is he sticking around like is he gonna put it on his cv ran the neo-nazi bar for two years <laughs> yeah crazy yeah it's, i think it's one of those clubs that once you're in there's not a lot of yeah, hiring there's, afterwards there, 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 yeah. really, there really isn't anywhere there's no upward movement in the <laughs> upward mobility um, in the Nazi yeah, world. In the Nazi world, while they're trying to sort it out, they they there's all these references to the owner. Like the owner doesn't like the yeah, um, you know the, the fire rules being broken and and things like that. And the owner, they call him over, and it's of course Patrick Stewart as um, Darcy. Yeah, it's an interesting casting choice. Patrick Stewart, what do you make of of old Paddy in, in this role? I, I'm I'm almost too scared to ask what James thinks. Another <laughs> <laughs> uh, shooing of an OAP. <laughs> no, no, I think he's actually quite good. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know what accent he's attempting to do, and it is quite. I did find it quite distracting, and it would take me out of the menace of it. Like just play it British if you. I mean, he pretty much does, doesn't he? Because he goes, yeah, in, he goes in and out of his Yorkshire twang. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't need to know how you got to the states. I don't care. Yeah. Like, um, and I just think he's trying to do some sort of localized dialect. Yeah. And it it just it it just doesn't sort of maybe because you're so used to seeing him as professor x or jean-luc picard or or what have you and you just got his voice and his tone fixed in your in your mind's eye that you can't divorce him from that or i can't anyway but yeah he was trying to do some sort of like localized sort of accent work and i'm not sure it's a hundred percent i agree no I, I'm trying I, agree. To be fair. I think i think that's that's the because he certainly looks the part, I think. Like you, he does. Yeah, you do believe that this guy is as calculated and awful as his reputation is, and and he he does look really menacing in it. And he's you know even though he's this old man, you're like I don't really want to get on the wrong side of this guy because he looks like a right cunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as if he's that he's you've got oh we can get Patrick Stewart oh crap yeah let, let's get him let's get him and and then they haven't really thought about what he would do with it yeah. and how he would play it. What I potentially think might have happened is they've gone to Patrick Stewart and they want him to do Patrick Stewart and he's come in with a take on this character and because Sonnier is like a this will be the most high profile actor he's ever worked with at this stage and maybe I'm just speculating. Oh conspiracy know. corner, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's not been able to like talk him round to his way of thinking because if I was going to cast Patrick Stewart in something I would want him to come in and do Shakespearean Patrick Stewart <laughs> <laughs> a Shakespearean Nazi yeah basically yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful now at this point because this has helped his portrayal of Darcy which I really enjoyed 
I, I thought I think the character's great. I yeah, mean, I, yeah think, I think and I think everything he says and he is menacing and stuff. I just found his accent slightly yeah. distracting. Yeah, no, I'm I'm grateful because it's helped me get rid of. You know, you mentioned that you you expect certain things of him and I and, and things that you can't divorce him from. I've not been able to divorce him from this. Okay, so this is um, a spat between Patrick Stewart and uh, James Corden. I want to speak to James here. Uh, at an awards ceremony. It is, it's James, isn't it? <laughs> when the presenters are up here and when the recipients are receiving their awards, don't stand at the back of the stage with your hands in your pockets, looking around as though you wished you were anywhere but here. Oh, you couldn't be more wrong, sir. You couldn't be more wrong. Oh, genuinely. And if it looked like that, I'm so sorry. But when you come up and present an award, just get on with it. There we go. <laughs> See, I, I'm no fan of James Corden, but I think Patrick Stewart's really out of order. <laughs> He's like, and I, I, I dislike him for making me feel sorry for James Corden because James Corden is the host of this award show, right? Basically, Patrick Stewart's clearly had a few, right? And he's come up on stage and decided to pick a fight with the host. From where I was sitting, I can see your belly. <laughs> and uh, that was right belly. How often do you think I say belly at home? Like that. Belly. Belly. Sorry, I'm waiting for the punchline. Go on. No, seriously, go on. Okay. No, um, go on. He might be great at Shakespeare and whatnot, um, Patrick Stewart, but he's completely out of his depth here. Like, James Corden is not one of the great comedians, but he does have some experience in this in this area. And he's just making... He's just like a drunken uncle at a wedding. Yeah. Like, when is he leaving? You can see my belly, and we can all see you dying right now. Let's go for it. Here we go. One more. Yeah, it's. Do you want one more? Corden is like so pissed really off, is, isn't he? Yeah. You would be, to be fair. You would be, yeah. If you fancy the Jonas Brothers. I don't understand this Jonas Brothers line. Cover your belly. <laughs> what does that fancy mean? Fancy the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> cover your belly. Um, I, for, for whatever it's worth, I, I like your belly. So. Oh, Paul Zoe Saldana. She's getting dragged into it now. Uh, the, like at the back, you can see them like having a little, you know, like a little. Oh, but, it's horrible, the little word with each but, other. And I'd love to know what Corden said in his ear But I, I would pay to see Sir Patrick Stewart dying on stage any day, so... And for the people that haven't seen my belly, is there anyone who hasn't got a... It's just... He did his jacket up there and everything. Oh, uh, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. <sighs> okay, can we so, get a So what we're taking away from this please? is... Uh, Patrick Stewart is an even bigger villain in real life. <laughs> but he's still not as big a villain as James Corden. So that's what we really No, but I think of. Corden comes out better in that particular Do you think so? Stage. I've got to say, yeah. I like another little dissection of this. He didn't start a fight with Patrick Stewart. He didn't Stewart. start it, you're right. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Stewart did, oddly did, didn't he? Um, <laughs> ah, Richard. I'm no defender of James ah, Corden. I don't like <laughs> Did, did Imagine you... if it had gone that way. Oh, I'd love it if it had gone that way. Did you see the It was awful... pretty close. It was pretty close. Corden it was, was wasn't huge. it? Did you see the awful makeup video they did? Oh, that's even we're more not, embarrassing. We're not sitting through that, but no. it, they're, they're in bed calling each other little bear and baby, daddy bear and all this kind of stuff, and yeah. it's awful. It's just And awful. in that, Patrick Stewart admits that he was just drunk and acting like a buffoon. He does, actually, in fairness, do yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
gosh, I would love to know the real the real Patrick Stewart. Anyway, so yeah, he is um a a. a uh, like a, he's like a, a, a cast, uh, sorry, a huge thing that casts a shadow over this entire movie. Yeah. Um, and we wait to see him. And I think when he arrives, he brings um, the appropriate level gravitas. of menace and gravitas and villainy. Um, and uh, and he is really smart as well. Like he's got everything planned out up to a point. Oh yes, mm. um, this is not his first rodeo. <laughs> Jolly is not because the police are on the way, aren't they? Because Anton Yelkin. At l- managed to dial 911 yes. before they took the phone off him and then the police are like oh we, we need to go and check it out so they try and set up an instance of something of a stabbing happening and they just pay some two young punks to stab oh, each other in the car park <laughs> just horrendous so the so the cops could just like come and go but it is it's all very clever isn't it it's all very it is all very yeah well thought out and that's just basically what this is now he's trying to so the cops don't snoop around a little further. Yeah. Because it becomes apparent that it's a drugs den, isn't it? It's a it's Yeah, a there's more than Nazi for... music going on. Yeah. There. <laughs> there's all sorts going on downstairs, isn't there? It's a full on Is it like a meth lab or something? Is it a heroin lab yeah. or something? Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's very interesting. And it's like typical of all those books and stories and movies that you watch about the the grubbier side of crime. You know, we're not doing like this isn't like Scarface up in the, you know, in his big old mansion with a big old mountain of cocaine. This is like, yeah. oh, down, like fronting, like what looks like a profitable enough enterprise with this bar, yeah. but it's a cover up for something so much darker. Mm. And that's not just the heroin, it's the, it's the neo-Nazi movement as well. Yeah. I'd just have something a lot more innocent as a front for a drug lab. Though, to be honest, like <laughs> I think if you're running a neo-Nazi bar, the police are going to be showing up fairly on a fairly regular basis. Would, yes, they be, yes. would they be too scared to go, though? I think it's just Maybe like, leave, so, leave yeah. them to it. Just leave like, them to oh, no, this place again. Like, no one outside yeah. of that circle is going to bother rocking up. Uh, yeah. They just, they, it's just this really unwelcome. Police are probably just like, just leave them to it. Like, as long as they leave don't They're keep only taking themselves. each other out. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, how has this worked? You know, when they did the, like, the stabbing thing, like, surely the police would be like, right, have you got any cameras? Like, no, they just take it on face value that, like, yeah, I did it. And, like, right, we could do with a bit more background. And the cameras would just show, you know, obviously, like, (laughs) and Patrick Stewart going, good, good, good belly. Stab him in the belly. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah. Uh, And and we're away, aren't we, really, here? And it's just one thing after another, and it's awful. Um, So he wants a gun that they've they've managed to overpower the security guard who was yeah. keeping them in the green room with some gorgeous jujitsu from Joe Cole. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he's got a huge like hand pistol. cannon. I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It looks like a cross between a magnum and sort of a like a little six shooter or what have you. Um, I don't know anything about guns, you can tell. Uh, anyway, Patrick's like, it's an unregistered firearm and we would like it back, please. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and the guy who had the gun is um, uh, Eric Edelstein. Uh, he is, uh, well, for me, he's most famous uh, from one of your favourite favorite ever movie franchises, James. Uh, yeah, he gets stepped on by that weird dinosaur from Jurassic World. <laughs> He jolly does. How wonderful, hey? Good to see him back. He's kind of like the dude out of Stranger Things, isn't he? He's got that vibe for me. David Harbour, yeah. He's got a look, yeah. Yeah. 
No, it's good. It's good. I liked all this, and I thought he played it well. And I thought the tension in the room is huge. Um, there's also the elephant in the room, which is that there's a dead body just lying there as well, isn't it? Yeah. The room is pretty frightening. They get, uh, you know, they they overpower him. They've got the gun, and there's all sorts of negotiations going on. And before you know it, they're going back in two, and they agree to hand the gun over. At which point, Anton Yelchin's become the voice of the group. He's putting his hand through the door, and someone, it appears, has an awful blade and goes to town on Yelchin's hand. Yeah, and this is just absolutely revolting. And I was so traumatised by this that I was convinced that you saw his arm getting sliced up. It's exactly the same. Exactly yeah. the same. He put he puts his arm through the door and then he pulls it back in and that's when you see mm. all you do is you hear it and then you see the damage afterwards and he is screaming yeah. like inconsolable mm. as you would be because his yeah. hand is literally hanging off. What um, such a good practical effect. Actually. It really is, isn't yeah. it? It's ast- astonishing um what's the word uh, prosthetics. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really good. And it's just his performance is amazing because he's just absolutely inconsolable. Yeah. Screaming. It's real pain. It's just horrendous. But yeah, I was convinced there was a reverse shot on the other side of the door where you Same. saw some guy hacking at him. And no. you don't. I, you, you only see the aftermath. Does that, so does that make all three of us? Yeah, when I, I was watching it and I was like, I swear you saw the other side of it. Like, but, but yeah, you don't. You just hear Patrick Stewart talking. You don't see it. And it's weird, that, isn't it? Like, we all thought that. It is, isn't yeah. it? But then again, that's the strength of Yelchin's performance, the strength of the prosthetics, the strength of the editing as well, mm. and sound design yeah. in that. Maybe, I haven't, you know, obviously I've only seen it once, but maybe it was, you heard some horrible, like, sounds, you know? Well, it is. Something sound like effects that. are disgusting. Yeah, Disgrace. Yeah. Disgustingly yeah. good. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it all goes wrong again, really. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, we're just—it's just chaos now at this point, and it's—it is, isn't it? Effectively, yeah. from this point on, it's the the band in the in the green room with Image and Poots have three attempts. Yeah, who they don't know if whether they can. They trust don't know or if they not. can trust her at this point. Yeah, yeah, and she slowly becomes part of their group. Yeah. She's in as much trouble as they are because she was friends with the girl who's been stabbed in the head. And yeah. it turns out that she was stabbed in the head because she was thinking of leaving the skinhead life with mm. Daniel, who is the guy that they who organised the gig for them. He's the cousin of the Mohawk yeah, guy. The Mohawk yeah. Dude, yeah. So that's the link there. But it's just, it's just them, yeah, them having three cracks at trying to get out of this horrible mm. situation. All with varying degrees of success. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then we get to the the, the big, oh, the first big attempt to leave, which is just Joe Cole breaks uh, Spinosaurus's lunch, <laughs> breaks his arm, and yeah. um, while he's like choking him out because he's you know going all over the place, Poots gets the box cutter and slices his belly. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. Uh, it opens it like uh, a cardboard box. Did uh. Joe Cole's character, Reese, did he did he kill him and then she was checking that he was dead or checking that he would that he passed out? I, I don't know. don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think my interpretation was, because I, I just had a read of the, uh, of the Wikipedia plot summary, and it says that he chokes him unconscious and then she opens him up. Ugh. But he's so distraught, I think he's killed him in terms of he's suffocated him and then she's 
opened his belly up with a box cutter <laughs> to make sure he's dead, which is not they just check his pulse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. It's I mean, unsavoury. It's, it, it, it's heinous. It's awful, is <laughs> yeah. what's going on here. But she, she, because she's doing this sort of stuff, she's now, oh, she's a loose cannon. And we all know she's a loose cannon now, you know, mm-hmm. like... Joe Cole will go to certain points, but I don't think he, he intended to kill the dude. You know, it was like, no. tell me when he's out. Whereas she's happy to get dirty. Mm. Get her hands seriously dirty. Yeah, yeah. Because they killed her friend. Yeah. And she makes it quite clear that she's not a Nazi. She's just fallen in with these people. Yes. But she's she's not a she's not a neo Nazi in the traditional sense. Mm. Sheesh. Um, and they they decide, right, it's enough is enough. We're going to try and leave. And they do yeah. try to leave, but what they don't know is that there is a Nazi attack dog <laughs> has been <laughs> drafted in by the local, like, fighting dog dude. Oh, it's so grim. And this dog is just horrendous. I mean, no, it's a lovely, lovely pooch, but it is pulling throats out. Uh, it's not a and lovely it's pooch. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> lovely doggy. I saw some guy with one of these dogs on the tube the other day and I was terrified. It was the big... You can just see its muscles and you're like, oh, the head if this goes for anyone, you're not get, he's not getting off you. It's just yeah. Yeah. so horrible. Ironically, the lead singer who goes by the name Tiger is mauled by, <laughs> by <laughs> Immediately mauled to death, yeah. Straight for the throat. A dog with questionable politics. Like. Yes. <laughs> uh, and it's just, um, oh, it's graphic. It's unpredictable. Yeah, Joe Cole so ends gross. up outside. He just gets beaten to death, doesn't he? Yeah. Stabbed to pieces. Stabbed to bits. Dra- and what I think makes this film so frightening is, obviously, Anton Yelchin is like this like cherub-looking guy, like this innocent-looking <laughs> looking guy he's running around with his arm hanging off for the entire movie right <laughs> and then everybody's just getting it like the lead singer's gone oh yeah uh, joe cole who's been like the you know the main man of action within the group has just been unceremoniously murdered <laughs> outside yeah. and then they they retreat back to the green room and it's just sam pat anton yelchin's character and uh amber imogen poots's character and they're the only three who are left after mm. this escape attempt. Yes, and more plans are concocted. Uh, they've cracked their way into the meth lab, und- uh, sorry, the heroin lab underneath. You can't get out through there, so they make another attempt of going. They've realised, though, at this point, that the dog doesn't like sound. It doesn't like feedback yeah. from um, all the sound equipment. So they manage to play it through the... Uh, the, the the sort of the and he said the arena the the whole building, and it allows them to sneak out a little bit. Yeah. But this is only after the bodies of their friends have been all loaded up and dragged away, and they're going to set up a scene somewhere essentially. Yeah, as if the, to make it look like they were trespassing on yeah on private property. Because apparently in this part of America, you could just wantonly slaughter anyone who <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wanders yeah, onto yeah. your land. Apparently so, yeah. Um, the callousness with which human life is viewed is just horrendous, yeah. isn't it? Like, um, and they have rules, don't they, which I found chilling. Like, blades are fine. No, you know, no bullets. Um, oh, shooting is fine, but one shot. And if you do have to find more than one shot, keep it in a tight group. You know, this kind of stuff. Like, oh gosh, this really isn't their first rodeo, is it? You know. Yeah. yeah. 
there was a there was a line from Big Patrick Stewart that absolutely chilled me to the bone. So it's when um, Joe Cole's not quite dead, oh, being gosh, dragged yeah. out. Let him bleed. Let later is better for time of death. It's just so it is, isn't it? And yeah, horrible and like yeah. Oh, that's horrible, isn't it? Ugh, yuck. Yeah, horrendous yuck. guy. Um, so a couple of uh, red laces guys, and red laces are. Am I right in thinking they're people who have bled for the neo-Nazi movement, therefore they're yeah, wearing their yeah. red laces? Um, yeah. Gabe doesn't have those. Um, you know, for all this time throughout the movie, I thought it was going to be revealed that Gabe was an undercover cop um, who'd got into... <laughs> he did the... have that vibe, though, didn't he? He did, like, didn't he? he? Was, yeah. yeah. But they um, another plan is hatched. At this point, Daniel's on side with them, isn't he? Because yeah. they figure out why they killed the girl he did, because she was going to shop him into the cops. Because yeah. she was going to run away with Daniel, so he's now on side with them, and he's going to help them get out. Yeah, and we're like, right, we're escaping now. We've got an ally. We're getting out. Yeah. There's a shot earlier on that shows uh, a, sh- a shotgun under the bar, so that he goes out and goes, oh, because I, I, I know there's something. I know I, I can get a weapon, and he's looking for the shotgun, and it's just the oh. most. It, it made me jump out. <laughs> I totally forgot. Oh. About it. And the the doorman uh, or the barman was just in the corner and just shoots him in the head with the shotgun. And it's like, oh, my God. And, yeah, this is like escape (laughs) attempt number two. And they lose Daniel. And then the dog gets Sam. So, sadly, she's gone. Who who has managed to do very well with a fire extinguisher during this season. Yeah, up to this point, yeah. Yeah, she she does great. Her melee weapon. (laughs) If it was a video game. Yeah, and... um, that and and like the first escape attempt, they have to go back to the green room and formulate another plan. <laughs> it's oh, just not again, and yeah. it's just Pat and Imogen Poots left, and they have to have a third crack. <laughs> they hatch a gorgeous plan. Yeah, it's a good plan. Yeah, by you know, very lucky that there were a pair of clippers on hand for shaving uh, Yelchin's head. But they, yeah, she plays sort of well, hides out of sight and plays a bit dead. He shaves his head and goes full neo-Nazi and pretends that he's, you know, when they come looking for them, pretends that he's looking down down the hole and shouting terrible, you know, insults and, you know, I'm coming down there to get you and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like a, a, a famous Darren Brown tactic when he says, if you're ever attacked in the street, just talk random stuff and they'll get confused <laughs> and leave you alone. And that's what that's what they do here. They just make out as if they're absolute lunatics. Yeah. So they can then confuse these shooters long enough to ambush them. They're just two young kids, aren't they? These these red laces with the shotgun. Yeah, yeah. And there's a really good standoff between them when they're sort of wrestling with a shotgun, and it's all it's just all looks amazing. This I think this whole section with the three escape attempts is just really well cut together and really yeah. well shot. Yeah. And there's this weird trend nowadays that films. I'm not sure whether it's necessarily they're lit badly. Or whether it, I think it's a grade thing personally, that's my sort of theory on it, is that people aren't grading it properly. Mm. But everything's really dark and you can't really see anything these days. Yeah. Whereas this is great. The lighting is just brilliant. Like you've got the, the neon blues of this like heroin lab, and then even though it's dark and smoky upstairs, you get all these like shafts of light coming in and, and, and illuminating all the bloody dog as he. <laughs> rips off the people's throats. One of the things that stands out for me with this film is just how good it looks. Yeah. Both in the in camera and then all the stuff on set and the practical effects and, yeah. and the way it's all staged and you know, you get a real you know where you are, like with the, the stage and the where the entrance is and the bar 
and then where the green room is and underneath the green room and, and you, you're trying to figure out with them how they are going to get out of this place. Yeah, it's got a good geography to it and it's sort of, it could easily get repetitive because basically they just keep trying to escape and then running back to the green room. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> then, but it's not because each escape attempt has a different plan around it and they all scatter in different directions. They'll get murdered in horrible <laughs> different ways. Like, <laughs> And it's at this point that it becomes quite clear that Imogen Poots has gone from the one who, uh, the person who can't be trusted in the room to the only way that Anton Yelchin's character is actually going to get out of this place yes, yeah. alive. And she's just like cold-blooded and I love it. It's yeah, so it's, it is great. Uh, it is great. And they have this lovely thing where they're, um, this guy is between them and they're shouting out how many bullets they've got left. You know, like three and, uh, sorry, how many he's got left. In the yeah. shotgun, uh, which they know is three. So every time they confuse him and he has to take another shot, it's like it's two, down to one, down to right, let's go. And um, yeah, they're wrestling for the shotgun and the shells, him and Yelchin. And yeah, Poots pop, pops up, double tap, boom. <laughs> Sweet dreams, baby. Um, and they they leave. And I found it like when Andy Dufresne gets out of... <laughs> the prison, like, oh, they're finally out. Oh, my word. And yeah, they were out. And then there's the horror that Gabe is there. They've caught up with Gabe because he was jet washing the walls. And they capture him and march him into the woods because they want to find out what's going on with their friends. Mm. Yeah. So there's a big standoff at the the house and they sort of figure out what their plan is to get rid of them with the setup that this, they were trespassing by siphoning petrol out of their car and there's it's mm. the sign saying beware the dog everywhere and that's where they, they sort of set it up like the dog that's why the, the dog has attacked them they ambush them don't they um mm. and they're clearly uncomfortable in this situation holding guns on people but They've just kind of Anton Yelkin, especially, he's just kind of lost it at this point. <laughs> so he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He still admits, however, though, that he was like, you know, when when Poots shoots one of them in the stomach with a shotgun, and he goes in the down, belly, in the in, the, in his belly, um, <laughs> he's like, oh, we're doing that, are we? <laughs> she says, says, yeah. What do you think we were going to come up here and do? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> Like, he didn't really have a plan or an idea, and I love that. <laughs> and what you've also had as well, I love the way that this movie always subverts everything. So when Daniel comes to help them, you think, "All oh, right, he's going to help them out now, and they're going to, mm. they're going to escape." And then he gets his head blown off thirty seconds later, and like Anton Yelchin having his arm hanging off, even though he's the star of the movie, so <laughs> like yeah, seventy percent of it. And what they've been doing is building this. Is like the dog ran away because of the feedback. And it's sort of been making its way home as they've been trekking through the wards and heading towards where Patrick Stewart and all the other wrongans are. It keeps cutting to these shots of the dog making its way home. So when they finally got rid of Patrick Stewart, they sit down. And it's like, oh, we've made it. We survived the night, blah, mm. blah, blah. And then the dog comes around the corner. It's got, oh, no, this horrible <laughs> dog with its far right views is going to absolutely <laughs> rip these. <laughs> rip these people to pieces and it doesn't it just goes and lies down next to its owner who's been plugged yeah and just lies there and it's like oh god now you've got me feeling sorry for the nazi dog <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> still with this lead singer's neck hanging out of his mouth <laughs> oh dear oh dear <clears throat> um and there we go um should we have a best bit what are your best bits guys 
Uh, so we sort of touched on how great it is when Imogen Poots' Amber goes full, like, cold-blooded and starts capping fools. <laughs> big into that. But what I love about this film and what it captures brilliantly is just how terrifying violence is. Yes. The second shit goes south, the anti-authority punk persona immediately vanishes and the the ain't rights sort of return to what they are, which is suburban kids well out of their depth who just yeah. want to go home. Yeah. It feels totally authentic, and yet this very natural reaction is is rarely captured on film. It makes the movie all the more frightening because the fear is so palpable, and I guess yeah. that's my sort of... When they realise what they've walked in, stumbled into, and the horror and the way that all their toughness just yeah. disappears completely. Mm. And they're like, this is terrifying. This is bad. This yeah. is bad. I just found, I've just found that so powerful and so affecting. And I think that's why the movie works so well. Totally yeah. agree with everything you've just said. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Si? I mean, similarly, my, my similarly favourite bit is, is a broad thing rather than a specific bit, but it's like the complete opposite. I really love the moment before they start the tour and it's like, it's almost like Terence Malick in the opening. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's really like wistful and innocent and lovely. And, and it's like, oh, these, these, you know, these, these young kids just having an adventure on, you know, being nomads and what have you. And it's just like as this sequence, it's all, you know, silhouettes and it's really slow and, and the music's quite floaty. And it's just like, this is the last moment of peace they will have in their lives before they go to this gig. Mm. And I just thought that bit was was brilliant. Because especially knowing what's coming and then you that, yeah. that bit just stands out even more. So yeah, I just, I just love that, the opening to it. And it goes on into the set as well, like when they're playing their gig. And it, as I mentioned before, it's so loud, the music, and it's, you know, this really heavy, raucous music. But then it all cuts out. And it just goes to high speed of them playing their instruments just in their happy place, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it does, doesn't it? And and then that's again, that's the last time they'll be they'll be happy. And it's just really, I just think that they're really well in terms of a film, like a filmmaking sense. They're just that's just sort of put across really well in how he's made those bits. So yeah, they're my favourite bits. I love that. I love that. I love the moments of calm before and around the storm. Lovely. Um, I think I'm going to be, yes, predictable, in that I really like the bit where that dude gets suddenly shot in the head at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, like, the effect was astonishing. The delivery of that moment is one of the reasons I love movies of this time, this type, unpredictable and shocking. And just I, still, I just don't know how it's achieved, you know, that effect, that, that moment. I just, it was so out there and wild and sick and gross and surprising because uh, uh, like you're given a moment like hey this guy could be their lifeline and then nope <laughs> there goes his brains <laughs> so no 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 so yeah I, I love that bit but what about uh, for your reconsideration say it was your pick so you will go last as per our custom james green room fyr yeah, so I'd hardly describe this one as a knee slapper, but in terms of an unrelentingly grim, frightening, confined and bleak exercise in tension, the movie succeeds massively. I do find the setup a little cumbersome, 
But once the Ain't Rights arrive at the venue, the movie grips you round the throat and never lets go until it's bloody denouement. Good word. A super gnarly genre movie filled with great performances mm. and stomach-churning moments. I'm never watching it again. And I mean <laughs> it this time. Because <laughs> it's just so upsetting. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great movie. Um, Good. But yeah, it's just... Even though I like, I was I found it as tense. I had to watch it in two sittings this time, even though I've seen it before. Mm. <laughs> and it's not a long movie either. It's only like a hundred minutes. I'm yeah. just like, just need a break from this for a good couple of hours. <laughs> not come back to it. Um, yeah, it's just my worst nightmare on film. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sorry, you know, like usually these like these recordings are like therapy. This is like forced James to the darkest pits of his soul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so for me, um, Green Room lived up to all the expectations and hope that I had for it. Um, I really, really loved it in pretty much every way. Um, in not obviously not in in content. You know, obviously it's not nice to watch a group of young people get murdered graphically by neo-Nazis. All of that was very hard to stomach, but in a filmmaking sense and in a storytelling sense, it's just had everything for me, everything I'd want from a movie of this kind and type. Uh, Great performances everywhere, not least from Anton Yelchin. Rest in peace, brother. You would have made one heck of of an actor. Um, uh, You know, like in the fullness of your career, I'd love to have seen where you would have gone. And everyone else is just absolutely brilliant. Um, Patrick Stewart will take all the, you know, the plaudits as well. But I don't think he's above above or better anyone else in this film. I think they're all really, really good. Super, super frightening, uh, super sickening, and definitely worthy of your time and your attention. So definitely reconsider it. Sai, I think it was a great pick. Awesome. No, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I'm, I'm glad it's a good one. It's a thumbs up. Honestly, for me. This is just a really great genre film from one of the most underappreciated and largely slept on filmmakers of the 21st century, I think. It's so well made and just with a pitch-perfect cast of leads that convey a realistic sense of uselessness when faced with the situation they find themselves in. And, you know, Patrick Stewart, as we discussed, you know, while he's quite odd, odd of a choice on paper and his accent does go a bit haywire now and again. He's still so menacingly creepy and scary, behaving exactly how a slasher movie icon would behave if from the real world, and I think that's why he's such a great character. Um, It's certainly not for the squeamish, as discussed, Um, but if you're in the market for like a tight 90-odd-minute modern thriller, um, you won't go far wrong with this. I think it's I think it's brilliant. I absolutely love it. Awesome, awesome. I love it. We, I think we're on a like a streak here of really fun, good movies. I think. Um, well, fun. Sorry, <laughs> inverted <laughs> commas. <laughs> uh, but no, I, Honestly, I, I'm not even doing that for the sake of the record to make it funnier. I, I genuinely find this film so upsetting. Oh man, man! <laughs> and I'm not usually affected by uh, by horror movies at all, but because it's so, it feels so realistic. Yeah, that you could easily find yourself in this sort of horrendous situation. Not me personally, but <laughs> you could read about this on the news, and yeah. it would be. Yeah. Horrendous. Yeah. And that arm. Oh, when my synapse is fire, fire for the last time, I reckon that'll be one of the images that flashes before <laughs> my eyes. It's prosthetic. It's not your own life before your eyes. It's Yelchin's arm in this movie. Oh, gosh. Um, 
No, it's just a great pick. I love it. Um, yeah, so great movie. Next time out is episode ninety nine. Goodness me, ninety nine. What's going on? I can't believe we've done ninety nine. Is it your pick next, Rob? Yeah, it is my pick next time, and I'm going to invite you guys to guess. We're going to have something fun. We're going to have somewhat of a celebration. Forget everything that you think I might pick as well, because I know I hinted right. before that I had a bit of a dark one. That I hinted off air that we that I had a bit of a dark one. So, um, yes, it's one hour, 52 minutes. It is 18 rated here in the UK. That narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the year 2000, and it features a nude wiener in night vision. Oh. It's Paul Verhoeven. Oh, we're not doing Hollow Man. <laughs> we are doing Hollow Man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what happened to that movie? I wouldn't describe it as fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is funny. Hello, man. Wow. 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, I do love Verhoeven. Yeah. He's a very naughty boy. Uh, and he's... I can't... Yeah, once again... Was this the last time he was given a huge budget? I think it pretty much a was, A very naughty yeah. boy. <laughs> uh, yes, I am very much looking forward to discussing this <laughs> with you boys. Um, so, yeah, Hollow Man next time out. Um, thank you so much, fellas. Absolutely loved it, as usual. What a brilliant pick. Green Room is available on... What's it on now? It's on MGM, MGM isn't it? The yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's some great dad movies on the MGM streaming service. So if there you want is. to sign up just for the month and sort of have at it, I watched the uh, Gene Hackman basketball drama Hoosiers on there, oh, which I've cool. never seen before, which was right up my street. And there's loads of other like dad-based rubbish on there. Which is... <laughs> All the Rocky, Rocky films are on there, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah awesome. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And I've got a Denzel one lined up out of time, Super. which looks like a solid three-star adventure. <laughs> so <laughs> nice one. Um, for Hollow Man, if you want to uh, get that one inhaled before uh, we meet again, it is. I think it's available as a rental pretty much everywhere. Um, but that is the one that features Kevin Bacon. Do remember that. Thanks, boys. Uh, listeners, take it easy. Uh, be good to each other. Uh, give us your five stars on your subscription service of choice. Uh, and uh, chat us to us on the Twitters at FYR Film Pod. And we'll see you next time. Uh, say goodbye, boys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, so, guys, I'm going to cancel those concert tickets to the local Nazi underground heroin <laughs> <laughs> punk rock club. Is that Yeah, I know it's right? just a regular Saturday night for you, Rob, but I'm just comfortable <laughs> with it. <laughs> no, I know. Well, even for this, we got scammed by Ticketmaster. So, you know, <laughs> see if I can get any of those Benjamins back. Um, goodness me, I feel sick after that. 